Our reading this morning comes from an anonymous piece written by a gay high school student, and it was adapted by Mark Hicks, the professor of religious education at Meadville Lombard Theological School. My father asked if I am gay. I asked, does it matter? He said, no, not really. I said, yes. He said, get out of my life. I guess it mattered. My friend asked why I talk about race so much. I asked, does it matter? He said, no, not really. I told him why. He said, you need to get that chip off your shoulder. I guess it mattered. My neighbor asked why I put that ramp up to my front door. I said, does it matter? He said, no, not really. I told him because it made my life easier. He said, is there a way to make it less obvious? I guess it mattered. A member of my church asked why I like gospel music. I asked, does it matter? She said, no, not really. I told her that it connects me to my southern Christian childhood. She said, I think you're in denial about your oppression. I guess it mattered. My God asked me, do you love yourself? I said, does it matter? She said, yes. I said, how can I love myself? I am gay, Latino, disabled, and a Christian in a hostile climate. She said, that is the way I made you. Nothing will ever matter again. The phrase identity politics has been around for a while, but you're probably hearing it more and more if you're listening to the news and to the commentary about the news in the last year or so. Identity politics. It's an interesting phrase. It's become a bit of a stalking horse for a certain segment of the population who are uncomfortable or outright hostile to talking about the diversity that exists within humanity. It is a way of shutting down conversation, of saying, I don't want to acknowledge this, I don't want to accept this, I don't want to discuss this. And it is, honestly, a red herring identity, politics, diversity simply is. Its existence is not a political organization. Acknowledging that diversity is, is not a partisan statement, despite the fact that we can use it as a partisan football. Insisting on the right to exist unharmed and free is not a party platform. 
Do we leverage political process and legal process for protection for our diverse identities? Sure, but that does not make us inherently political in our diversity or our acceptance. Identity politics is a denial of the complexity of human life. Or, to put it in the wise words of one Mr. Spock, beauty comes from infinite diversity in infinite combinations. Pride is in part an attempt to make that notion of diversity plain. That diversity is, that we are here in all our wholeness. It is a reminder that of late is all too desperately needed. So why acknowledge it or celebrate it in a church? As Unitarian Universalists, we acknowledge, we celebrate, we accept diversity among humanity in all of its forms. It is just a natural extension of our principles and what they call us to do, to affirm the inherent worth and dignity of all people, to seek justice, equity, and compassion in human relations, to practice an acceptance of one another, not a tolerance of one another, an acceptance as we are. And in an environment where just being one's self for so many is to risk death, to put it plainly. We need a place. We need a sanctuary where all are welcomed and accepted as they are. We need a faith where we encourage one another to bring forth our deepest selves and relish them. We need a church that says, all of who you are is sacred, more than just is, is sacred. For those who are out, the risk of being out has never been a hypothetical. It is real. But for those of, not, of us who maybe are not directly impacted by being out, we may have in the past talked of the dangers to our LGBTQ family in hypothetical terms, in it can't happen here terms, even when it is happening. In the last 12 months, that hypothesis we might be imagining as straight allies, that has definitely shown itself to be becoming theory, to becoming practice. Cruelty and outright existential threat are being codified into laws nationwide. And the what ifs we have imagined are rapidly turning into what do we do now?
we have moved from identity politics as a means of shutting down conversation about diversity as a political football to actual people, actual lives being used as objects, objects tossed into a hate machine. Pride began as a protest. Pride began as a riot against injustice and brutality for the crime of simply being. And there has always been this element in the celebration of pride, an act of defiance against those who would choose to put razor wire around a small circle that defines their notion of humanity. But that notion of riot, of resistance, is even more prominent this year and needs to be not just a celebration of diversity, but a call to protect diverse lives in all their complexity. Pride week and every week, with all our passion and all our intellect, with all our soul and all the time in our hands, with the wealth we have, and yes, with our votes. This is a call of our values. This is why a church, this is why a UU church celebrates pride. I joined the Friends of Los Alamos Pride Board this year, and in that role, I helped create a profile that was shared with local media. The next to last question was, why is pride important right now at this point in history? Here's the answer I gave. As a member of the LGBTQ community, it can be discouraging to hear the news and read exchanges online. It very quickly starts to feel like everything is negative. Pride and other events that bring the community together, however, can be an important reminder that there is still more love than hate. Not a bad answer, but I also have to admit that I was a little late completing the questionnaire, and so I went with expediency instead of exhaustiveness. Because this is a question that brings up a lot of thoughts and emotions for me. So here's something closer to what I wanted to say with an added bonus of connections to Unitarian Universalist principles because here we are. We are witnessing an awful assault on LGBTQ plus rights, rights that the LGBTQ plus community and their allies have worked so hard for. In many cases, rights that we had come to view as settled. The worst of the attack has been on our trans friends and family this is entirely by design. 
The other side hopes that the rest of the community, the LGB, some Q, part of the plus, will decide that this isn't our fight, or maybe if we compromise, we can preserve other rights. However, the strategy is to chip away at the most vulnerable and marginalized portion of our community and then move on to the next and so on until we have nothing left. And that's a reason pride is so important right now. We need pride as a visible reminder, as a chance to be in community with each other, to remember that these are not concepts or abstractions that we're fighting for, but other human beings. Here in Los Alamos, we're luckier than so many other people. Even when the sorts of awful laws and policies that are passing elsewhere are proposed here, they don't have broad support. In fact, our state legislature this year passed legis legislation that protects access to gender-affirming care. But even with the bubble wrap of our political geography, it's exhausting to hear about so many places where that's not the case where laws are being enacted to take away access to life-saving care and to deny people's rights to claim their own identities. And that's a reason pride is so important right now. We need to drown out the waves of negative messaging and deliver our words louder. You matter, you belong. You are amazing just the way you are. Let's face it, even if we don't have legislative threats to our rights here in Los Alamos, it is clear that there are people in the larger community who want to minimize LGBTQ people. In its most seemingly benign form, we might hear, I don't mind that you're fill in the blank, but could you just not flaunt it or push it on other people? Translation, your existence makes me uncomfortable. And I prefer that you exist unauthentically, quietly, over there. That sort of minimization is bad enough because it suggests that there's something wrong with who you are and that it's your job to fix other people's discomfort, even at the expense of yourself. But there's been a much worse rhetorical approach lately, which is to equate being queer with grooming. The mere mention of anything LGBTQ plus is called sexualization and anyone daring to suggest otherwise is endangering the children. And this one hits me hard because as a teacher, as an out and proud queer teacher, I know how impactful it is that I simply exist and, and am honest about my identity in the school setting. But I've been told that this is grooming and that I shouldn't be allowed to spread this propaganda among students. Luckily, I am in a place where administrators support me and what I'm doing, but it's hard not to think about how quickly that could change with some shifts in who fills these positions. And that's a reason pride is so important right now, because LGBTQ existence is not contingent on others' approval and shouldn't have to minimize itself. Last month, Mesa Public Library hosted Drag Queen Story Hour, and the comments on the press release and subsequent letters to the editor were a veritable parade of the usual rhetoric. But just to be clear, that parade had nothing on a pride parade, um, and it ended with less than a dozen protesters holding a few hastily scribbled signs. 
But anyway, as frequently happens on social media on any article or letter that mentions LGBTQ plus topics or people, comments snowballed and demonstrated the full range of hate-filled rhetoric. It's generally accepted among those of us who respond to such comments that we, we do it not because we have a hope of swaying the original commenters, but maybe we can influence the fence sitters, the ones who aren't quite sure. And most of all, we want to make sure that any LGBTQ plus people who happen upon the exchange know that they have supporters and that in fact the haters are a pretty small portion of the population. And that's a reason pride is so important right now. It's hard to escape the hate-filled comments. It's hard to forget that they do not represent the position of most people in our community. So we need events like the Pride Festival that bring together a lot of people from all parts of Los Alamos and show just how many of us there are who are choosing love instead. At the same time, I sometimes find myself wondering why the loudest, angriest, most hateful voices can't be budged. What would it take to move them? And I can't say that I have found an answer or that I can you know, give you a solution, but here are some of my thoughts and also where I will be making a bit of a detour into Unitarian Universalist principles. I have a tendency to refer to the sides here as love and hate, but as so often is the case with hate, there's a lot of fear at the root of the issue. And while save the children is a handy rhetorical ploy, I still believe that many, not all, but not an insignificant number of those loud, angry voices truly fear for their kids. This fear is manifested as a need to control their kids and other people so that they can control the outcomes. And because their worldview requires being heterosexual and cisgender and subscribing to the same worldview, it's scary to send their kids out into the world. As a parent, I understand fearing for our kids, I really do, but of course I disagree fundamentally with the source of this fear or the need to control our kids so that they turn out just so. I also realize that UU principles explain a lot of how I look at the process of finding our identities and what I want for our kids. The fourth UU principle is a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. While that is often looked at as capital T truth and capital M meaning, I think it can also be applied to the individual because figuring out our identities is also figuring out our own truths and our meaning of life and how we fit into the world. Combine this then with the third UU principle, acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth in our congregations. We can't grow spiritually if we can't be our authentic selves and aren't accepted. I think most people here would agree that figuring oneself out is neither linear nor easy, but is definitely necessary. And to me, it's a beautiful thing for my kids, both at home and at school, to be able to try on potential aspects of their identities, to try on some of these terms and labels and see if they fit who they are. 
And as I tell them, if it fits, great. If it doesn't, great. In either case, you know yourself a little bit better now, and you've made progress towards the truth. And one last connection to Unitarian Universalist principles, although it's far from the last one I could make, and I'm pretty sure every UU here can quote this one, the inherent worth and dignity of every person. And that's a reason pride is so important right now. We need communities like the Unitarian Church of Los Alamos to stand up and make clear that the other side doesn't get to claim religion and morality as theirs. We need to show that whoever you are, wherever you are on life's journey, you are welcome here, is more than what we say, but what we do. Another reason pride is so important right now, so many youth, and even those not so young, talk to me at Pride about aspects of their identity they're still trying to understand. And Pride is a time and space when they can be themselves with all the messiness and question marks and asterisks that entails. It's a time and space where in return they're told, we see you and we accept you as you, right now, even when, especially when you don't have it all figured out. There's a joke in my household, except it's not entirely a joke, that every time the bigots upset me, I buy another rainbow. It started out with comments at a school board meeting and my desire to make my identity as a queer teacher even more visible. At first, my wife would give an exaggerated sigh and say, do you really need another rainbow? To which the answer was always yes, obviously. But over time, it's extended to where she now points out rainbow versions of what we were looking to buy anyway, and we seek them out. And that's a reason pride is so important right now. It's not really about buying rainbows as an answer, but about persisting in the face of hate, about saying, we will not quietly stand aside, but instead we'll wear our identity proudly and help make it so that others can too. So back to where I began. Why is pride important right now at this point in history? As a member of the LGBTQ community, it can be discouraging to hear the news and read exchanges online. It very quickly starts to feel like everything is negative. Pride and other events that bring the community together, however, can be an important reminder that there is still more love than hate. And that's the reason pride is so important right now. And the reason why I stand before you today and the reason you will find me and my rainbows at events this week and throughout the year. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa, and thank you, Kathy and Yelena, for our music this morning from Tchaikovsky, a gay composer. Uh, and a shout out, even though she is not here, to Laurel Hardin at Petri Gardens for the loan of her annual Pride flower arrangement. Would you please remain seated at this time and join me in a congregational response?
We are grateful for the gift of our lives and the gift of other people in our lives. We are called to love one another and to do nothing to others that we would find hateful to ourselves. Our common life is enriched when queer, transgender, bisexual, lesbian, and gay people can come out, sharing their gifts of their sexual orientation and gender identity. We suffer when LGBTQ people are oppressed, excluded, or shamed by religious people who overlook the fundamental call to love one another. May we work to build a world where all people are celebrated and loved. <laughs> 